to Crime on Prime Time. I'm your host, Kinsey Usman, and I'm here with my three best friends. What's up, y'all? It's A-Rod. Malik. Taylor Shermist. Taylor, Taylor Shermist. Hey, and Taylor, how are you going to come one minute, we're back. I was doing so good on my end, and no one could hear it. <laughs> oh, it's okay. We killed that. Alrighty. As per usual, we record way in advance, so it is July 5th. How was everyone's July 4th weekend? I got sunburned, and I drank every day. I got and it was wonderful. Okay. We have a very special question today, and for all of our listeners out there, this a listener sent this question in, and if you didn't know you could do this, you can. You can send in the questions you would like us to answer in this opening session. You can DM us on all social media platforms, which in my head is, is only Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. So if there's others out there, do not DM us on those. Or you can email us at crimeonprimetimepod at gmail.com. Please don't send anything hateful. I have to read them, and I will take it to heart. But send us send us your questions you would like us to answer on the podcast, and maybe throw in if you would like us to name you, or you want to be anonymous, or whatever. Um, but this question came from our listener, Maisie. Maisie, thank you for sending it in. Um, and she asked, what is our craziest slash wildest dreams we've had? So, who would like to kick this bad boy off? I'd be concerned. Okay. Yeah. So, it's kind of like the Matrix, I guess. But it, or in the Truman Show, if you've ever seen the Truman Show. But I was controlling society, like, as part of, like, I think I was, like, part of the government. I don't know if I was CIA or what. But like from behind the scenes, I was controlling what goes on in society, kind of like the matrix from the outside. And then people were starting to catch on and then they started coming after us. But then I realized that now since I was controlling the society, someone was controlling the government. So someone was controlling me. And then then I started going after them and then it became this like whole big thing. There's a lot more to it, but that's kind of the gist of it is I spent my whole life controlling society as my government career and then they kind of figured it out and then as they were coming after me i figured out that i was being controlled. like it was like this trickle down effect did you watch loki before this no sounds like loki. loki sounds like loki yeah and then you can relate to it it will be interesting to see what our dreams are because what if there's like psychology behind our dreams someone's gonna call me a psychopath yeah if there's like any psychologists out there listening please write in and tell us what these dreams say about us all right a rod so this dream came back when i was about six or seven years old i still remember it to this day um i was and like a city pool in Leander, shout out Leander, Texas. Um, like everyone was there, like everyone I knew and all that was in the pool. 
Well, apparently this big old tsunami came through like the city and all that, which I thought was weird because we're in Central Texas. Ain't no water around us. Well, everyone is trying to escape and all that. And then out of nowhere, uh, y'all remember uh, Jimmy Neutron and that little uh, tiny like ship he used to fly in and all that? Of course. Yeah. That That's that's what I was in. It was me, a boy Jimmy, and his dog Max. Boy, we were over here trying to survive the water. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, Jimmy <laughs> Neutron is a great asset. Okay, Taylor. What, what's your... Um, um, I don't really remember many of my dreams, but one dream I have had over and over again since I was a child. And it's really stupid, but it's really, like, the only one I remember. So, like, the basis of it is I'm in the middle of nowhere, Texas, in the middle of, like, cotton fields. And a robber comes to my door, and it's just me and my friend. And I'm pretty sure it's me. I don't really remember, though. Anyway, so we're sitting there hanging out, and we hide from the robbers. And my idea of a good hiding spot is grabbing the full-length mirror off the wall and standing in the middle of the room behind it. <laughs> For no reason. And then I'll wake up every time when the robber opens the door. Yeah, no. I really thought it was going to be a train dream. No, I'm just afraid of those. I thought we were going to the, we're gonna get to the bottom of her trauma. I thought it was going to be a night terror one. Oh, well, I do have those. Maybe that's why I don't remember my dreams. I just know that when a me... nice night terror. I... Was that a nice one? Yeah. <laughs> Someone came to kill you. Kinsey, you know about the dorm ones. <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah, so, Taylor, is it okay if I tell this story about I don't care? Okay, so, Taylor, I found out, has night terrors because we shared a dorm room at college our freshman year, which is how we met. And I woke up to a pallet laid out on my floor for someone to sleep in. So, in the middle of the night... Taylor had got pillows and blankets and created a pallet on the floor next to my bed for someone to sleep in because she said she saw someone sitting in my desk chair and was wondering why I didn't let them like sleep with me in my bed or like make them room on the ground or something. So she was like talking to this non-existent person in my chair. I like hell no, hell no, yeah, no, no, still this. But you know when I figured out what it was? What? A ghost. Was a, you had a long sleeve shirt hanging yeah. on the chair, so it looked like he was sitting there with his arms hanging. So <laughs> not. And Taylor, I'm never going any. No, I. Like, yeah, I got to Taylor. The truth with Taylor, I'm not even going to hang out with Taylor. Nope. <laughs> F that. You have to. Uh, I would agree. I'm just gonna purposely scare y'all. It's crazy how like some people have like connected dreams and all that. I think that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So cool. So like one night, what is it? Jewel or Malik and our old roommate Dakota had a dream that side broke into the house. And then Do y'all have the same dream? Yeah. Three of us had the same dream. What? Well, here's the thing. Here's the whole this is a crazy story. Hold on. Until... So, so we, him, Malik and our old roommate Dakota had a dream that someone broke into my brother's room, right? And then in the middle of the night, I had to go to the bathroom. And um, 
I see his lights on. Well, my brother's out of town. Like, he was not there. So I walked in, and his light was on. I was like, that's funny. He never leaves it on. I go in and turn it off. The next morning, the Dakota and Malik are sitting outside. I'm like, man, I had a crazy dream that, like, someone broke in. And, like, broke into, like, my brother's room. I was like, well, his light was on at, like, 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. And so we're like, what the heck? Keeping my eye So in my dream, it was that someone, so in, you can go through my window. And, like, everybody in the house knows that. And the person who we think broke in, they know that, too. You can just go through my window. You can literally open it and crawl right through. There's a ladder and everything. So you think and someone I, really broke in? You left a yeah. ladder out there? Yes. We, we, because we, we walked out. That's the size point. So I literally, in my dream, had that she, like, stepped over me. It was a woman? Yeah, we knew exactly what we named. Man, you know, we had the, the same dream of we swear we thought someone was in and Jules' room. My dream. The one that I remember the most. There was like a period in time when I just continuously had dreams about mass shootings. Like I was in them at various places, like a grocery store. Oh, okay. And one of them was like a hospital. But it was the Grey's Anatomy hospital. So all the Grey's Anatomy characters were there. And Grey's Anatomy had like a, a shooting like two-parter and were you in that episode yeah i it was kind of like i was in that episode yeah like the shooter was the same guy that was like in the episode but it wasn't mom if you're listening it wasn't the time that we watched it together years later but literally like i was in the situation and i was like running all over the hospital and like i think at one point it was like owen or something was like you have to jump out of the window and it was on, we were on the second floor, and he's like, "He's coming! He's coming! You have to jump out of the window." And I was like, "Okay." And I remember I jumped and I landed and I like hit my head. And then Derek was there, and Christina, and they're like, "We're gonna help you! We're gonna help you!" Crazy. All right, y'all ready to dive into this week's episode that we watched? Give a little recap. Sure. Same. Okay, we watched NCIS Season 16, Episode 1, the season premiere. So did y'all go back and watch the finale of Season 15? Nope. Nah, I think I pretty much got the gist from... Yeah, you can get the gist of it, right? You knew what was going on. Alright, so, obviously, if it's kind of like, um... Not a crossover. What am I trying to say? A two-parter ended on the season finale, or season fifteen ended on a cliffhanger. Season sixteen picked it up. Obviously, we have a previously on. So you know, I have to do the voice. Previously on, NCIS. <laughs> okay, it was great. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very proud don't of you. Don't I'm, don't I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better every time. Yeah, they get deeper. You got to use your chest. You know, I'll practice in the mirror. Apparently, okay, so it starts with apparently some guy was going by Mushan. Is that how you said it? No, I watched it recently. Moose, I don't, I don't. Mushan. Mushan. I was, 
I was going to give a precursor. I'm going to be bad with all these names. There's a lot of names being thrown around this one. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of new NCIS characters that I didn't recognize. Okay. So anyways, there's this guy, and he kidnapped some military people, then made the woman pick which one must die. Kind of reminded me of the scene in Arrow when Arrow used to be good. Slade made him do the same thing, his mom or his sister. Show watch Arrow. No. It was good the first three seasons. Oh, but yes, I did. But then he, okay, so this guy, not, not Arrow. But then he was a humanitarian at the U.S. Embassy. And I guess the woman found out, but no one believed her. That's like the ultimate, like, two-faced. Like, I'm going to be a war criminal and I'm turn around and be humanitarian. Um, but then they believed her. But it was too late. He kidnapped the director. And then they were kind of like, oh, she's kind of right. And everyone is throwing out the word infidel, so it must mean something. Like, he whispered that to the director, infidels. Did you, did y'all pick up on that? Mm, I, I thought infidel was like cheating on it's people, too big. so they threw, me, they threw me off for all that. So. It's too That's infidelity. Word. Is it not the same word? Probably. <laughs> but I think infidels is used more in like war. But then everyone was calling everyone an infidel like it was some sort of like burn or like what am I trying to say when you call someone a name. Words just aren't working for me today. Um, yeah. I don't know. Okay. So let's just keep going. So the director tried to escape. Apparently the director killed that guy's brother. So now we're in the show. Um, and he tried to escape and they punched him in the face. And then that guy came in, the one that's a humanitarian, but also a war criminal. He's like, you killed my brothers. And not my, like, brothers, but my actual blood brothers. And then I said, why is it always the same torture kit? When they roll out the tools, do they all buy them in the same place? I mean, I guess there's a place for terrorists to buy their kits at. Everyone has one. Every time it's like, I'm going to torture you, let me just roll out this thing that has all of the same tools as the last one. I mean... (laughs) I felt like that woman had a good peace talk, but she doesn't mean peace. Did you feel like when the mom came out and she was talking about how there just needs to be peace across the world and you're like, I feel like you're saying all the right things, but I feel like that's not what it's about to happen. Oh, she was full of shit. But she did a really good job of talking shit. I mean, you kind of made you believe it. I think she meant peace until they got to the point of Whenever they're going to try and blow shit up or do whatever they're going to do. Yeah. Just so, killing people along the way. Yeah, she's like, what if we just stop killing, but also I want revenge? You see? Like, let me take my revenge and then we'll just stop hurting each other, you know? Okay. There's no way a director is missing for weeks. Wasn't that dumb? They're like, he's been missing for weeks. Like, no, in the real world, if we got a national... Security director missing. I'm pretty sure we're gonna be on that shit. Sounds like you would think. And also, wasn't he not even that far away? Yeah, 
I felt like they weren't even trying. I felt like, oh, he's just on vacation. Gibbs is in charge. Sign this paper. It seemed to be like a nice place where they were holding him. You would also think people would notice. Like wherever, I don't know, unless it's just off by itself. But it seemed to be like a nice, really nice house, probably in a nice neighborhood. Or it was a really nice house on a lot, a lot of acres, so there was no neighbors. That too. Okay. Joey looks like Ryan Gosling. I don't remember who Joey is, but he looked like Ryan Gosling. Sure. Uh, I don't remember who Joey is either, but I don't remember seeing seeing Mr. Gosling out there. Yeah. (laughs) Just my thoughts. Um, There, no seems like overly... Oh, no, I forgot a word. That's what it was. I meant to say, no one seems, like, overly concerned for their director except for Gibbs. Everyone's just, like, continuing their day-to-day. And Gibbs seems like the only one that's like, hey, are we gonna, are we gonna find the director? Are we actually gonna care like he's gone? Yeah. Yeah. They have Vance openly robbing banks, question mark? That seems anti- climactic like they could have done so much more okay so i didn't know where they were heading so and when i saw him first rob the bank i thought that meant that he was gonna rob a lot of banks and that was all that they were gonna have the director do and i was like that seems anticlimactic because it kind of seems like you could have just kidnapped any fbi guy and had them rob a bank so hakeem's group took credit for the robbery a court order froze Hakeem's charity assets and consolidated them in that branch, and he made out with an additional two million in gold bullion. I don't know what that is, but he got two mil in gold bullion. He said, "You know what? I'm gonna take my money. And I'm gonna take this two mil gold bullion." Is that like gold pieces? I I believe so, but I'm writing totally wrong. Vance was one of the few that knew where the money was. The bad guys trusted him with a gun during the robbery. That's huge. I felt like he opted to watch over the customers so he could purposely keep them safe. He's just eating weenies and water. Did y'all see that when Gibbs was at home and then Vance's daughter shows up to his house? And he's just got a bowl of weenie, like hot dog weenies and water. Yeah, that was real serial killer like of him. That was, that was. I just not noticed that. That was gross. Was you can't even put a bun, bun on that. He was in a house. Like, sir, you, you're supposed to drain the water. You don't keep the weenies in it. Yeah, why is he cooking it inside on a cast iron skillet? And then putting the cast iron skillet on his, like, coffee table. You would have thought that bro would have, like, moved out of the bachelor frat boy phase by now. I was like, are you in the army? What are you doing? Why is... Anything like that. <laughs> I was like, you can't even put a bun on it? Like... And then I said, poor Ron. Because he seemed like he had his hands full with that girl. And then Gibbs was like, you may come in to my house. I was like, that's nice. So this is about the war in Afghanistan, question mark. There was a bombing in Salt Lake, 
at a mall in a strip mall in Cherrywood. I don't actually know where NCIS takes place. Uh, but I'm assuming Cherrywood is not far. I do not know where it takes place. I haven't seen it. This is like the third episode I've seen. There's different NCIS. But the original. Yeah, because the other ones are NCIS New Orleans and NCIS LA. I know those are. It says it takes place in Virginia. So like DC probably. Yeah. There's a cherry wood close to DC, I bet. All the warning shots during the robbery were poster were in poster eyeballs and he only blinked five times in a six minute video over specific words. How do you Okay, but next level stuff by him, because you have to really not mess up. Like you put in one extra blink and the whole message is just lost. Oh, they would have noticed me. They would have been wondering why my eyes are watering. And I'm just sitting. <laughs> and how long? Like did... sweating but dry eyes. <laughs> well, I got to the opposite. Never mind. Ignore this. <laughs> but like, how early did they give him that script to practice that he was like, okay, I'm going to blink on this word, this word, and this word, and then it's going to spell Kayla. That's true. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. Okay, so my next note says, I mean, yeah, I feel like blackmailing isn't how a war is stopped. When they, when he was like, Vance was talking to those guys and he's like you know that blackmailing America really isn't going to work like that's just they're not going to give in to a blackmail and I was like yeah no that's not how that works the end game is a nuclear meltdown in Bethesda but would they not think that they would change the codes as a precaution they're very clever terrorists I have to give them that I mean, we don't have to praise terrorists, but <laughs> just resting with you. No, I mean, yeah, because I was fooled this whole time, obviously, by my notes. I mean, I was sitting there thinking this whole thing was just them having Vance rob banks in the beginning. I was tricked several times. So he's doing it to protect his kids. We all knew there had to be something more than his own safety. This is a horrible hitman. They hired that guy and he did it one in broad daylight with so many other people around. I felt like this was the worst hitman. Yeah, he's booty cheeks. He sucks. Yeah. He missed so many times in broad daylight. <laughs> well, the one in the I was watching some family guy clip and they're getting chased and they're getting shot at. That's uh, all the bad guys always are terrible shooters. And I was like, you know what? It came true today. That motherfucker, he could not hit to save his life. You think with like an operation this big, he would like, I don't know, plan it out a little better, get their best guy on it? I don't know. Kind of feels like they gave it to a rookie. And then I wrote his blink spelled Kayla. So we've kind of already talked about that. And then I said, ooh, an inside man. 
And then I wrote, so Long was in ER. A-Rod, do you recognize her? Yes, I did. So, a little cool crossover for me and A-Rod. Yep, yep, yeah. Rick's really seems unconcerned. Is she in on it? Plot twist. She was in on it. They didn't get me there. It's always the details that catch the bad guy. This bitch is going down. I mean, to jail. Hopefully not dead. Because I think, like, Sloan caught her and then she, like, raised her gun. I was like, no, 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 wait, don't kill her. They get her jail. The hitman is American. Wait, was Riggs the one tracking Kayla because she knows she knew and Riggs hired the hitman? And then I was like, it could kind of make more sense because she hired a shitty hitman. Now was suicide bombing at a movie theater in Ohio. I think that spells Ohio and then I just added an N. I think it's Ohio theaters. I don't think it's it's actually in Ohio. What do you mean, Ohio theaters, if it's not in Ohio? They're using their street called Ohio's. Yeah. No, I think it was movie theaters in Ohio. They bombed Salt Lake. So you're going to go all the way to Ohio to bomb something while everything else is happening in Virginia? They bombed Salt Lake, Utah. They were in Utah. Why can't they bomb Ohio? They got them all over the place, I think, was the point of it. Who bombs Ohio? Why, why, why Ohio of all places? In the meantime, I spell Ohio with an N on the end. So, Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> I don't know. I was writing too fast. Okay. Sloan is off her rocker, man. And Riggs is a bad liar. Like, these two bitches were made to go at it with each other. Like, fight it out right now. My bet's on Sloan. I still feel like Riggs is in on it when Sloan was, like, convinced that she was like, oh, no, I was wrong. I, see, she couldn't fool me. The other ones, they could fool me. Their whole plan fooled me, but not her. The hitman was a janitor at a cybersecurity place. I think the lava lamps thing distracts from the seriousness of the episode. Okay, so, one... Now I understand why the hitman is bad. Two, I feel like this was supposed to be like a super serious episode of like the director is kidnapped, war in Afghanistan, terrorists, and instead we're over here making lava lamp jokes every time. Like that one guy was just obsessed with the lava lamps and his little touching them. And I didn't like the lava lamps. I, I didn't even. They tried to, to make a stretch in the episode and not a fan of it. Like, I like the idea of it, like how they control the code and stuff. Like, that part was cool, but the, the too many lava lamp jokes. Mm. Damn, this guy was good. Like, real good. He had me fooled. I'm sure I am talking about Hakeem. <laughs> well, that seems like a horrible place to be locked in. Oh, when they were locked in the reactor? 
Oh, you know who I was talking about with Damn This Guy Was Good? The guy who faked being a CIA agent. I was really out here kind of believing he was a CIA agent. Undercover. He was good. I, I give it to him. Well, that's good. The only reason the- I figured that he wasn't like an actual CIA agent is because I just happened to look at the time. And I was like, ah, there's too much time left in this episode. There's going to mm-hmm. be a plot somewhere. I bet it's this little bastard. It was. It was that little bastard. And then I said, well, that seems like a horrible place to be locked in when they were locked in the nuclear plant. I just watched the first episode of Chernobyl, so this was really sticking with me. And I was like, I know what that looks like from a t- other TV show. The Trojan horse was hidden in the lockdown code. Kind of smart. But does McGee do nuclear... Okay, they were like, McGee, you know how to code. Listen, I know how to code. And I feel like I know McGee's level of coding. That is not nuclear code. There's no way he just knew nuclear code. That has to be some really intense thing. And they're like, you know how to code like a computer or website? You could probably do this. Yeah, I thought that was a little little strange, too, that he just happened to know how to do it. Especially that quickly. Especially nuclear... National Nuclear Security Code. There's no way that you're not... You have to be an expert in code to... To know how to do that level. The lob lamps are sending the Trojan horse. Could he have not just asked someone to turn it off? Like, I feel like he could have just been like, Hey, there has to be a switch or something. Can we... But instead he was like, Let me just take a baseball bat to it. It did only have 20 seconds. And it did have logs on the power of grids. I just think that guy's dumb. Hey, don't leave, leave uh, Fez alone, okay? Yeah, leave Fez alone. Man. Is that Fez? Yes. You not know him? Yeah. You didn't know that? He always talks the same, no matter what he said. Yeah. He's like buff. Yeah. I've got to go back and watch the episode. My mind is blown. Yeah, that's Fez. You tell me Fez is in NKS? Yes. Oh my goodness, man. You didn't want to go back to the 90s show? How did you not know that? He looks the exact same. That show is terrible. I think I didn't realize because you're, it's like one of those things where you're not expecting to see someone. So you're not looking for the... I don't know. I didn't put... I got it. Listen, I'm going to go back and rewatch now because this is blowing my mind. But glad to know he played an idiot in both the shows that he's been in. And then I said, dang, a double play. Smart. When she was... When Stallone was like, tricked you. I knew you were going to kidnap me. And now you're busted. I mean, he's totally going to Guantanamo, and I'm pretty sure it's really not as nice as they there as she's making. Okay, so this is when Sloane, the guy, was like, "Oh, it's now your turn to torture me," and she's like, "No, because you're in the U.S. and we are going to treat you very nicely because you are going to go to jail and you're going to get to do things, but you're going to be in jail the rest of your life." But it's so much better, and I'm like, "Let's be for real, lady. He's going to Guantanamo, and we all know what goes down down there." It is not a cakewalk like you're making it sound. Is that proven fact 
or is that just speculation that people get tortured in Guantanamo? I, I imagine it's probably fact, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's probably specu. I have not read anything, researched a lot about it. So this is probably just coming from like things I've heard. So speculation, but yeah, I don't know either. I would say speculation as well. Yes, I've heard that too. Every when I read stuff, that's what it says. But I could be wrong. I just know that we send like the worst of the worst. That but yeah. Not- I mean, it takes a special per. Most of them, I think, are like war people because, like, the Boston bombers aren't even there. They're here in Colorado. Are they really? Yeah. So it's like, because like all of our serial killers are in the states too, not on Guantanamo. Yeah. So I think it's mostly like a war specific. Yeah. yeah. International people. Yeah. I think so. I could be wrong. Like I said, I've not really done that much research into it. But also, she also, she just made Jell sound way more comfy than it is. And I was like, I mean, he's not being tortured, but you are going to send him to jail for the rest of his life and he's going to sit in a cage. So I wouldn't say that's a, any, like, that's as happy as you're making it. But she did make U.S. sound pretty damn good. And then I ended it with, it was dedicated to Joe, the episode was dedicated to Joe Haley, who I looked up and he was a part of like the makeup and costume crew on the show. And he passed away. So with that, that was the TV episode. Are you ready to hear this week's story I have for you? Lay it on us. Guess it. I decided that since it was 4th of July weekend, I was going to do a patriotic episode. Hell yeah, brother. So, this is the FALN bombings and the controversial imprisonment of Oscar Lopez Rivera. Go America. I'm going to just sit and throw that out there randomly when I feel like we're being extra patriotic. America. On January 24th, 1975, members of the Ritzy Angler Club were enjoying a nice lunch. The club, the club's member-only dining room was located on the second floor of the historic Francis Tavern building, which had the Public Anglers Club restaurant on the first floor and a museum on the third. So you know it's fancy when it's like this area's members only. This tavern building is also famous, famously where George Washington gave his farewell address to the officers that served underneath him. The building is located in the financial district of New York. As So as all the finance bros and boss babes were enjoying their afternoon lunch... An explosion rocked the building as a bomb located either on the heavy wood doors of the building or under the marble staircase detonated. Patrons were thrown from their table. Debris was everywhere. Passerbyers on the street were harmed by falling glass. Some had made it out of the building and were lying wounded on the street. Some were still wandering around aimlessly in the dark trying to get out. In total, 44 people were injured and four lost their lives. 
Their names are Harold H. Sherburn, a 66-year-old investment banker, Frank Connor, who was 33, Alejandro Berger, 30, and James Gazork, 32. One hour after the bombing, the Associated Press and United Press International received a call from a group known as the Frères Armadas de Liberation, Liberation Nationale Puerto-Ricana, or the FALN. So this also start, stands for the Armed Forces, Forces of National Liberation. That was in Spanish, if you couldn't pick up on my app awesome accent who claimed responsibilities for responsibility for the bombings FALN told the press who told the police to look in a telephone booth near the tavern for a message the police located the message and it read quote we did this in retaliation for the CIA ordered bomb that murdered Angel Lurit Luis Siobhan Mier and Eddie Ramos, two innocent young workers who supported Puerto Rican independence. The conscienceless maiming of ten innocent persons and one beautiful Puerto Rican child, six years old, and Maya Juez, Puerto Rico dining place, on Saturday the 11th of January of 1975, end quote. But to understand the reasoning and the rest of the story, we must first understand the history of Puerto Rico and why it's not a state. That's right. I'm hitting you with another country history. What am I trying? I'm hitting you with another history episode. This time we're diving into Puerto Rican history. Christopher Columbus landed in Puerto Rico in 1943. So what is that, one year after he landed in America? Did you say 19 or 18? I said 19, but I definitely meant, oh, 14. It's 14. I was, was going to say, man, I, I'm I'm not no history major or anything, but so someday now. now. So while Columbus was doing his voyaging and conquering, he also discovered the fountain of youth and secretly he has been traveling and colonizing the world since then and he just got to puerto rico in 1993 adds up adds up if you didn't know that history much better much better okay so so he landed in puerto rico in 1493 which was that was one year after what do we say in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. Okay, so yeah, one year after he sailed the ocean blue and claimed the island for Spain, despite the native Tianos already inhabiting the island. But, you know, that never stopped anyone from colonizing. What followed was 400 years of Spanish rule in which Puerto Rico experienced poverty, repression, and taxation. In 1868, they tried to revolt against the Spanish rule, but they were quickly struck down. However, after this, national, politi- after this, national political parties started to form. Slavery was abolished, and Spain gave 
Puerto Rico more autonomy. So they're like, listen, you can't have your independence, but we'll kind of let you be more. Be more independent, but still we're going to tax you, you know. This only lasted 30 years, though, before the U.S. invaded Puerto Rico during the Spanish-American War. When the war ended, part of the Treaty of Paris negotiation was Spain succeeding Puerto Rico over to the U.S., Although the U.S. granted statehood to all other territories it acquired at the time, Puerto Rico was left as a, quote, unincorporated territory, end quote. This meant Puerto Ricans had restricted self-governance under a U.S.-appointed governor, and they did not have U.S. citizenship. Experts who spent way much more time than me researching this believed that one reason the U.S. didn't declare Puerto Rico a state is because, at the time, they didn't want racial mixing between the Puerto Rican natives and white Americans. So they were afraid that Americans were going to go to Puerto Rico and they were going to start getting married and having babies. That's probably true. I don't know if you've seen the Puerto Rican women. There, There's something to look at. I thought you probably meant that. <laughs> thought you probably you, you were going to say it. That's probably true. America was racist at the time. Oh. Uh, we didn't even dig into that. Those are facts already known. Oh, we're going to get way more into it. You ready? Puerto Ricans. Oh, wait. This is the part where you're going to say, Go America! Super patriotic part there. Puerto Ricans tried to argue for more autonomy and the U.S. would make some adjustments to keep them happy, but nothing substantial or with strings attached. So they, they would kind of give up. So every time Puerto Rico raised a concern, they would kind of give them a little, like, carrot thinking that like that will keep him quiet but it was never like anything that would make a difference it really didn't change anything in puerto rico it's just kind of like yeah see we're doing good okay for starters the u.s granted puerto ricans u.s citizenship but it came with limitations namely they weren't allowed to vote for congress representatives or president or the president they were allowed to establish their own Senate and Bill of Rights, but the U.S. could veto any Puerto Rican law they wanted. Also, in the, in the Selective Service Act, as we've talked about before, the Puerto Rican men were required to enlist. So we were kind of picky and choosy of which, which things Puerto Rico got and which things. You're not a U.S. citizen. You can't vote, but you can't be in the military can't do this but we can't do that in 1950 puerto rico was allowed to draft a constitution but stipulations included not um altering their territorial status so they couldn't be like in their constitution they couldn't have been like they were the united states of puerto rico they had to keep that they were a territory of the u.s um and they had to establish a Republican form of government. And they had to include a Bill of Rights. So kind of mimicking what the U.S. does. This constitution did declare the island as the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. Uh, many believe this would give Puerto Rico special legal status as it was in a state, independent country, or territory. But others believe that since U.S. still had power over Puerto Rico, so it's still colonial territories so they tried this like loophole thing of being like we won't declare statehood but we'll declare ourselves a commonwealth but 
people were like, yeah, it just doesn't work like that. You can't just say you're a commonwealth if you're technically still being governed by the U.S. Given all this information, Puerto Rico has three options. Statehood, still a commonwealth, um, but with more autonomy so they could have more independence um, or they could have complete independence. Those are kind of their three options to get out of the situation that they're in. So at the time of our story, Puerto Rico was in extreme poverty. Many, meaning over 50% of Puerto Ricans were living in poverty and their big issue with the U.S. is the same thing that the U.S. fought for during our independence. No taxation without representation. Essentially, Puerto Ricans wanted to be able to vote in U.S. elections and feel represented. Questions from the class? There will be a pop quiz at the end. You know how I feel about questions and quizzes. A pop quiz. Mm, keep going, keep going. Okay, okay. During the 50s to 70s, Puerto Rican activists and activist groups started popping up not only in Puerto Rico, but the U.S. as well. Like the U.S. felt with England, they used violent tactics and protests and to fight for their freedom. So, this is legal. Did you all know this? This is legal under international law, which states a country or territory can fight for independence through any means necessary by international law. You can gain your independence any way you want. I did not know that. I mean, it kind of makes sense because basically, I mean, it does, I yeah. Every country was basically founded on fighting violently for their independence. For their independence, yeah, exactly. I just had never really like thought about it in those terms. No, and it's so interesting how like because we we think countries fighting for independence is so like far down the like historic timeline. Like, oh yeah, by like the 1900s, everyone had independence. But this is like the 50s and 70s. And they're still fighting for this. Yeah, which is crazy to think about. Because we do. We think about it a long or long time. Yeah. I mean, and part of it was is that, you know, we're Americans. So we, we've we learned American history. And we got exactly. our independence in 1776. And all the big countries were established then. But, you know, a lot of these little countries were colonized. And they're still fighting for their independence. But yeah, it's just, it like blew my mind how like not far down, you know, it happened so recently. In 1950, two Puerto Rican nationalists scaled the fence of the Blair House in Washington, D.C., where President Truman was staying while the White House was being renovated. They tried to storm in in guns ablazing. Um, so they didn't try to sneak in at all. But of course they were met with return fire with guards and police on the street. One guard and one nationalist were killed in the gunfight. The other was sentenced to death. Which in a twist, President Truman commuted to life in prison. In another twist, President Carter set him free after serving 29 years. Okay. <laughs> In 1954, Ford Puerto Rican nationalists walked into the House of Representatives and started firing. 
so many reports say just into the air, so they weren't trying to hurt anyone. They were just trying to get people's attention. While also displaying a Puerto Rican flag, no one was injured and the four were taken into custody. Carter commuted one of their sentences after that guy was diagnosed with cancer. He served 23 years. The other three were released two years later. This brings us back to where we started with the FALN. Um, so, one of the things I watched for research, and you can find all the episodes on YouTube, of this show called The FBI Files. And it is like one of the cheesiest shows I've ever seen. I don't know. It had to be made in like the early 2000s. And it's like they were actually interviewing the FBI guys, but they were trying to do, they were doing reenactments of like, okay, now y'all need to go sit at this table and look like y'all are talking about the evidence and coming up with the game plan. Um, so yeah, very early 2000s, very, uh, very cheesy, but they started the episode by saying Puerto Rico was voluntarily a part of the United States. And it's like, well, that's not really how that happened um they were passed along in a treaty in 1868 but one of the things they brought up was that they're like i mean they're voluntarily a statehood if you ask any puerto rican or they're voluntarily a part of the u.s if you ask any puerto rican they don't want independence which is not the stat because every source i looked at referenced this stat and it's not that they want don't want their independence it's that at this point most of them want statehood and they want representation in um congress and they want to be able to vote for the president not that they they made it sound like they were just so satisfied with how things are if you ask them they don't even want independence no they want statehood they just want more autonomy they want more independent like they just know that they won't become an independent country themselves or they see the benefits of being a part of the U.S. But that doesn't, that's not to say that they are satisfied with the situation that they are in. So, take with that was what you will. But I did get the actual investigation part of this episode from the FBI files. Um, before the Francis Tavern bombing, the FALN had taken responsibility of two other bombings. One in October of 1974, where they blew up five empty buildings. The communique, which was a new word I learned, and I learned it meant the letter that they left after the bombing claiming responsibility. Did you know that was called a communique? No, I'm learning a lot in this story. I did too, and I saw that several places, and I was like, I don't know if this is like a Spanish term. Or if this is, like, the actual term that FBI uses for, like, the notes left. Okay. So, the communique left behind demanded that the U.S. leave Puerto Rico and the release of four nationalists involved in the House of Representative attack and the one involved in the assassination attempt on President Truman. So this is before those people were released and they were wanting their release. In November of 1974, um, on the first day of his job, a rookie cop reported to a call about a dead body in an abandoned building 
when he opened the door, a blast sent him flying. He survived, and ironically, he was Puerto Rican, which the FBI files, I'm just, it was so bad, but I used it as a source, so I'm going to talk about it. So the FBI files, this guy was like, yeah, they targeted one of their own, which is, I'm pretty sure is not what they thought was going to happen. It's not like they knew that that cop going to the door was going to be Puerto Rican. They just knew a cop would answer, and I'm pretty sure they were just hoping it was not a Puerto Rican. I think it was more of a coincidence more than they were targeting a Puerto Rican cop. This communique said the bombing was for the death of a Puerto Rican poet who died in U.S. custody. Of course, the FBI said it was a suicide. I didn't really look much into this to speak either way, but Puerto Ricans thought, you know, they killed him in custody. The FBI saying it's suicide. Make of that with what you will. Three months after the Francis Tavern bombing, the FALN take credit for four bombs that damaged Manhattan buildings. They also take credit for two bank bombings in Chicago. Six months after that, FALN bombs damaged buildings in New York, Chicago, and Washington, D.C. I could spend all night talking about everything the FALN bombed. They went on to set off many, many more bombs and killing only one more person when targeting the Mobile Building in New York. In total, the FALN set over set off around 140 bombs between 1974 and 1983. But now our story is going... Well, first, what do y'all think of that? What I've told you so far, FALN. They like bombs, and that's a lot of bombs. Whoever invented bombs is a stupid, stupid person. We've been given lots of information. I'm trying to take it all in. There's a lot. I know. When I, like what you said. Yeah, like, wow. I know. When I do these history episodes, I have to cram so much. In, I mean, I left so much of Puerto Rican history out in their fight for independence, but it's like we've only got yeah. so much time. Um. So, for everyone listening, I know I'm not doing it justice. I know it's not all here. Got I had to condense and pick some highlights. Okay. So, we're pivoting now. Um, that's really all I'm going to talk about, Puerto Rican history and the FLN. So, we're pivoting and we're going to focus on Oscar Lopez Rivera who is the world's longest-serving political prisoner. Oscar was born in the northwest town of San Sebastian, Puerto Rico, in 1943. His family moved to Chicago when he was 14, as many Puerto Rican families did, looking for better opportunities. Like I said, Puerto Rico was in poverty um, and and hurting. Um, Oscar's... So you saw like like a fluctuation of um, migrants coming to the U.S. from Puerto Rico looking for these better opportunities. If you've ever seen um, In the Heights or West Side Story, both of those kind of highlight uh, what it was like being Puerto Rican um, during this time in these places. I mean, obviously, like any diverse group, they faced a lot of like racism and people not wanting them there and, and names and things like that. Um, so that's this time. 
Musker kept a low profile most of his life until he was drafted into Vietnam. He earned a bronze star, but he would say this of the war. Quote, I arrived thinking we were bringing freedom to Viet- Vietnamese people, but as soon as I hit the ground, I realized that wasn't happening. End quote. But as soon as he got back from the war, he threw himself into community activism, saying this of his experience in Vietnam. Quote, I felt like I felt an ob- obligation to change, to look at life from a totally different perspective. Now I could see what colonialism did to people. End quote. Oscar dug into Puerto Rican history, understanding the origins and understanding that Puerto Rico, what Puerto Rico, or understanding that Puerto Rico was a U.S. Ta- colony, technically, although no one was saying that out loud. Um, it was just a, a territory. He found himself sharing the same views as the FALN, and just like that, he became a member. Oscar explains that the FALN was never trying to hurt anyone, but used, quote, armed propaganda using targets to draw attention to our struggle, Oscar explained. What do you think of that? It's kind of like the mom saying that she wants peace, but her peace involves some kind people. I don't understand your analogy there. Uh, Maybe I'm. I can, be, I can be stupid. I mean, these chicks, man. We started with a mom, and and then we. Mom in the her. episode. Oh, okay. The mom in the episode. Okay, I was okay. wondering. I was like, my mom has done some crazy things, but she's, she's never normally. Or is she not the mom in the episode? My bad. Yeah, no, she is the mom. I know. No, she... yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. I should have explained more. Third. Should have. <laughs> My thoughts on it are that I could see where he's coming from. A vast majority of these bombs were set off at night in in empty buildings. So I think there was um, attempts and like intention to not hurt anything. Um, What's throwing me off is that Francis Tavern bombing was midday during lunch rush so you had to know that there was going to be people there and that people were going to get hurt um i don't know if that was like a rogue group of the faln that was like you know what i'm tired of waiting let's do something drastic um that's just my thoughts Looking at the facts. Are you going to say something, Taylor? Um, I was just going to say, I mean, yeah, it makes total sense, like, when he's saying, I mean, like, I guess it does. But, yeah, he had to have known that this specific bombing was going to, yeah, the lunch owl. They're going to be people. Right. And he wasn't a part. We'll get to this part. Like, exactly what you were saying. Right. And we'll get to this part. He was not a part of the actual bombings. He was just a part of the group. So like with any activist organization, I think that overall you have this idea of what you're going to do and the change you're going to make and what you're fighting for. I don't know if, like I said, if there was some like 
rogue because there's so many of them there's there you know there's no way to control everyone's movement that there was some rogue group yeah it's like let's take it to the extreme I find it weird that it was like that one incident and then every other time it was like in the middle of the night and what they knew was going to be. But then the thing with the cop of like. Well, they knew it was going to be a cop at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I see what he's saying. The vast majority of the bombs were obviously intentionally done with the intention of not hurting someone and making. Yeah. But then you have these few that it's like you knew, though. You had to know that people were going to get hurt in this one instance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, teetering. They targeted buildings and companies that were considered, quote, Yankee imperialism. For example, oil companies were rigs in Puerto Rico. So essentially... Their idea was that if you target the rich, they will be the ones to get the attention of politicians and the politicians will actually listen to them, which kind of makes sense. And I thought was very smart because, you know, the politicians are going to be like, I'm going to give in to that, you know, quote unquote terrorists. Um, But if the rich people are are raising hell about it, they're going to do something because they don't want those are the people that support them and donate to them kind of smart logical thinking it was very logical thinking during their investigation of 1976 the fbi linked an apartment full of dynamite and fal and communicate to oscar who in turn went on the run he evaded the fbi for five years until he was stopped for a traffic violation and was caught he and 11 other FALN members were charged with seditious conspiracy. Have y'all ever heard of that? Seditious conspiracy. No. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's very, very rare. And it means to oppose an attempt to overthrow by force the power of the United States. So, like I said, this is a super rare charge, and the trial was not very strong. As Oscar's lawyer lawyer would say, this is a thought crime. So, essentially, you didn't do anything, but you're thinking about treasonous things. The prostitution... I almost said prostitution. No, the prosecution. Two different things. Or... The prosecution was prostitutes. Oh, no. No, I meant to say the prosecution. Had no evidence tying Oscar to any of the bombings. Oscar and the 11 others refused to recognize the U.S. judicial system. He offered no defense and, in fact, didn't attend the trial. He labeled himself a war criminal. He said, quote, how can a Puerto Rican be seditious towards the U.S. state when we never had a part in electing a U.S. government? Quote. Thoughts about this. Say, say that part one more time. Okay, so you have seditious conspiracy, which is basically like you try to overthrow the United States government. And he's basically saying, how can we as 
Puerto Ricans overthrow a government we didn't even elect. That's a good point. And I don't think they were trying to overthrow the government. I don't think that was... That wasn't the point of all of that. Yeah. They weren't trying to overthrow... They were trying to get their own country's independence, but they had no motives of being like, and now you are in the U.S. Yeah. Or like bad Yeah. So I kind of see what he's saying, and I kind of think the seditious conspiracy is a breach of a charge, to be honest. I agree. I also think that you can be a part of a group that is doing bad things and not be the one doing bad things. And I don't think you should be the one going down for those bad things. Just because you're part of an... I agree with that. Yeah, just because you're part of an activist group that is maybe doing things like... the Okay, bombing is illegal. I'm not saying that the group should not have gone down for the bombings. I think the people actually doing the bombings should have gone down for the bombings. But just because others are a part of the group doesn't necessarily mean they're the ones doing the bombing unless there's evidence that they're tied to them. Yeah. So, like, if there's... Unless there's, like, evidence that they told them to bomb, then we shouldn't just loop them in there with them, kind of. Yeah. That... Yeah. I I would think... That's my belief, is that they can be a part of something and not be a part of the bad things that's happening. Let's see. He was sentenced to 55 years... Um, Oscar's lawyer, Jan Sussler, pointed out that in 1981, the year he was sentenced, the sentence for murder was 10 point, the average sentence for murder was 10.3 years. And we gave this guy 55. For what crime? Yeah, there wasn't a crime. Yeah, what crime? (laughs) That's a great question. I mean, he, there was he, FALN murders. Four people yeah. did die in that. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. Um, yeah. There's no evidence he did it. And he got five times the sentence of an actual murder. He spent 12 years of his sentence in solitary confinement in federal prison in Terre Haute, Indiana. Fun fact, I did have to ask Dalton how to say that because it is not how you think it's spelled in its two words. So when he said it, it threw me off. At some point, he was a part of a prison. He was a part of a prison escape plot and his sentence was extended to 70 years. He claims he was framed by men planted in his cell working for the police who were the ones that came up with the plan. So essentially he's saying he was just in the room and these other guys were planted, talked about a prison escape, and then were like, it was this guy's idea. An incendence was extended. I feel like it was unnecessary to extend the sentence in the first place or try to extend it. I feel like he's already dying in jail anyways. He's not that old. How old is he when he goes to jail? Um, what did I say? He was born in 43 and he was, I think, sentenced in 81. So like 30 something. I guess. I guess they just really want to make sure he dies in there. 
I guess. Um, through his whole prison stint, he refused to let prison beat him down. He exercised, he read, he painted, and he even taught other inmates to read, write, and speak Spanish. There, during this time, he the outside world was referring to him, and you'll see this in a lot of articles, as the Mandela of Puerto Rico. In 1999, on his way out of office, President Clinton granted a pardon to some of the other sentenced with Oscar. Um, and then Oscar was offered a deal that he could be released in the next 10 years, so he would be released in 2009. What do you think Oscar did? He read it. He declined for two reasons. First, he didn't trust the U.S. to stick to their side of the bargain. And you know what? That's I feel like that's fair. Yeah, especially if they really did, like, try and train him. Yeah, and just the fact that he was already in jail for whatever I at this point feel like is a made-up crime, seditious conspiracy... I'm not sure I would really trust him. Yeah. Do you think they tried to frame him to add validity to his, like, first sentencing? Maybe. Maybe to make it be like... Because um, we'll kind of talk about this, and I forgot to write down all of the people that were involved, but, like, people were not okay with this. This was not an okay prison. I mean, the Pope was saying, you know, calling for his release. Lynn manuel Miranda, who's famously from Puerto Rico, like a Puerto Rican, he was... He was calling for, like, the release and advocating for Oscar. Uh, there was, like, a lot of celebrities um, and political leaders uh, who around the world who thought, like, this was insane. Um, so it wasn't like the U.S. was like, hey, we got the FALN and everyone praised the government. It's kind of like, okay, but you didn't, not really. In fact, they knew where the leader of the FALN and the bombings, the guy that actually did it, his story's so crazy. You could read the FBI. I didn't know what I knew I was going to take it with the Oscar direction and talk about this controversial imprisonment. The FBI files case took it like actually looked at the case and finding the guy that actually did it. And basically, they never caught him because he got to Mexico and then he linked up with Fidel Castro in Cuba and went to go be in Cuba with him. And the FALN just kind of died out at that point um, because he was on the run. But also, crazily enough, when he was still in the U.S., he was working with a bomb and blew his hands up. And at first, that's how the police caught him was because he needed medical attention. And the police had actual evidence that tied him to all of it as, like, the main guy. But then I guess they were taking him to get prosthetics or something. And Without hands, he was able to cut himself out of the room that they were holding him in prison, and he went on the run. What the heck? They were like, yeah, he, like, used his elbows to do the shears. And the, all the FBI guys were like, yeah, we let a guy without hands escape. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that was, like, a whole crazy story. Because, like, every time someone thought that they... Like, they were always on to him because it was easy to find him because they're like, it's the guy with no hands that we're looking for. So every time they got a tip, they were like, well, does he have hands or badly burned hands? <laughs> uh, 
So, anyways, that was like a short synopsis of the rest of that FBI files case and who actually did it, because we know who was actually in charge and ordering all these bombs. Um, and he's just safe and sound in Cuba. Um, and it was like a wild story. Um, okay, so back to Oscar. Um, so the second reason he declined this deal and was like, I'd rather serve out the rest of my sentence, which was like, I think he would be released in 2023, actually. So he still had like a lot more years, 10, 6, 10 plus 4, 14, I don't know, more years, over 10 more years to go if he hadn't, or like 20 at that point to go so the second reason was because not all of the freedom fighters were commuted just some of them so his philosophy was that in vietnam you didn't leave a man behind and he wasn't going to leave a man behind in prison so he wasn't going to go free unless all of them that were convicted with him for this sedacious conspiracy also went free however at the last as the last of the puerto rican freedom fighters standing Standing in prison, President Obama commuted Oscar, and he was officially released on May 27 at the age of 74. So he was released in May of 2017 at the age of 24 after serving over 35 years and more than half his life in prison for a crime that had no evidence against him. That's freaking wild. That's crazy. Like I said at the beginning of this, he was the longest-serving political prisoner in the history of the world. For no evidence, basically. For a crime of wanting independence for Puerto Rico, which by international law, they can use any means necessary. Um, Oscar and most of Puerto Rican activists have denounced violence as the answer in the fight for puerto rico so i watched this other like documentary it was a movie on tubi crime on primetime has tubi um if y'all want to watch anything on it but there's this whole documentary it, it's about this other puerto rican activist group that used violence they I, they were working mostly in puerto rico kind of at the same time on like attacking the u.s military bases in puerto rico and he said the same thing. He was like, you know, we tried the violence thing and everyone pretty much realized that wasn't working and that wasn't going to make the U.S. change their mind on anything. So pretty much all of Puerto Rico denounced violence as a means of activism. In 2018, this is wild. In 2018, the United Nations Special Committee on Decolonization tried to step in they asked that the u.s allow they didn't even ask they stepped in and said that you have to allow puerto rico the right to exercise self um determ what did i say self-determination and independence and address their concerns for the treatment of puerto rico activists it was against there's the u.n decolonization laws this is against their laws to have Puerto Rico colonized like this. And this was in 2018. Um, You want to know what the U.S. said back to this? 
told him to kick rocks. This is one of those, go America! The U.S. claims Puerto Rico is outside of the United Nations. So, you can't do anything about it. You know, he's not outside of the United Nations. The U.S., so, you know. So, that's the story of FAM bombings, Puerto Rican history, and the controversial imprisonment of Oscar Lopez Rivera. I feel like, to the people listening, we've learned more from this story than probably any other story. There was a lot of information in it. It was a good there, story. Yeah. My brain hurts. Too much <laughs> information at once. I'm sorry. I know it, it was a lot, but I felt like it, it all had to be there to like understand. I mean, this was history was happening. I would have brought my notebook to write it down. I told you there was going to be a pop quiz. I'm going I'm I, failing. You know, Can the, I go to the bathroom real quick before it? You can write the answers down on my arm. <laughs> hey, hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> so, what were your thoughts? On the history of Puerto Rico. And yeah, the Puerto Ricans been struggling since day one. Under the radar, though. Very much under the radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like what they're asking for to be able to... Okay, so Dalton looked it up. This happened recently. I don't know what source he looked at, so I can't vet it. So whatever. Take this. This might be true. I don't, I don't know, but I'm going to say it. Okay, so Puerto Ricans can now vote in primaries, so like in the um, party primary, so they can vote for the Democratic representative and the Republican representative, and they have delegates. Those delegates are not in Congress; they just are at the Republic at the um, what am I trying to say? The how the party when they meet up the um. But they're not in Congress, and they still don't get to vote for the president. So maybe this means we're working towards... The, I just feel like being able to vote is not that crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I always thought it was weird, our like, thing with Puerto Rico. Like, you can go to Puerto Rico, and you don't need a passport. You can just go. And they're U.S. citizens. Yeah. I think my real issue with this is that essentially they're fighting for the same thing that the U.S. was fighting for. No taxation without representation. Because we tax them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just want to, they want a voice. They want to have a little voice. Yeah. Little, little bro wants a voice. So I feel like it's not that crazy of an ask. I've, you know? But yeah. Sometimes one little voice, it can make you act. Get you all out. I don't know where you're going with that, April. Yeah. There am I. I had I had something in my head and it, it disappeared. The tiniest flea can make the big dog itch. Is that good enough for you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you are you yeah. trying to say it just takes one voice to start a movement? Mm-hmm. Basically. I mean, yeah. Um. I don't know. Definitely. It's wild. I just think it's so wild. I also think there's so many international laws that are telling us this is not right. And the U.S. is just openly 
didn't like ignored them or denied them. Oh, that too. They don't care. We're gonna keep that. They're gonna want to keep that territory as long as possible. Yeah, but at the same time, Puerto Rico doesn't want to be what separate. They just want. They just want to have a say. Yeah, they just want statehood and more autonomy. They're not even fighting, really fighting for independence now. I don't know if that's because they realize that's probably, ne- you know, it's easier to fight and maybe gain leeway on some, you know, kind of compromising. Like, do they, you know what I'm saying? Maybe we're just being lazy and we don't want to add an extra star to our flag. Who wants to be somewhere where there's 51? Because 51 doesn't, doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound good. 51 doesn't sound good. Yeah, so... Another history one. I knew, y'all just told me how much y'all love the history ones. Oh, I like the history ones. Go ahead and break it down a little bit more for us next time. You want this to be like, a two-hour episode? I, Kansas basically is a two-hour episode. We've been on for two hours. Okay, but that mean, that doesn't mean when I, if you haven't noticed, I shrink these down. To try to get them within an hour and 20. Hey, look. I like the history lessons. Just not at 9 o'clock at night. Right before <laughs> the flight. We did this for you! <laughs> I was hey, I was here at 6.30. Mister, it's gonna have to be later than that. <laughs> I'm trying to... Hey, trying I was to here... I was... At 9 o'clock the other night. Listen. Hey, look. <laughs> I was ready that. I was focused. Today, I'm ready to go to bed. Okay. You were, you were something else, A-Rod. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Then you know what that means. It's time to announce next week's episode. <laughs> next week's episode. You ready? You ready? We're going back to our roots. Law and order. Wait, what did you say? Nothing. Nothing. What did you say your roots were? I said, let's go. <laughs> I meant um, Law and Order SVU, the root of this podcast. Uh, what season? What episode? Season four, one of the originals. Season oh, four, okay. episode 18. Was the Abler? Desperate. I mean, this is back when Olivia had her short hair, you know? How'd you know my nickname? Uh-huh. Uh, desperate. Desperate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, Law and Order SVU, Season 4, Episode 18, Desperate. Where can they find it on, Ken's? I watched it on Hulu. I think you can watch it on Paramount. I it's on Peacock, too. Yeah. They got all the newest episodes. But yeah, you can watch it on Hulu, too. That's where I've binged it all these years. Mm-hmm. Facts. All right. And with that, I'm your host, Kinsey Huseman. This is Crime on Prime Time, and we are signing off so A-Rock can go to bed. Bye-bye-bye-bye.